0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 35 of Rookie Mistakes. It is February 11th. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about my favorite restaurants while I was traveling. I've got 10 restaurants for you all. I think there's going to need to be a part two, definitely, to this episode topic because I had a really difficult time picking the 10. There's at least, I would say, another 10 maybe that. I would definitely recommend these restaurants are ones that if you're visiting the cities in which they're in, you must go here. These are restaurants where you will not regret going to. It's not fancy. They're not Michelin star. It's not expensive. These are the restaurants for the common people, really great restaurants that you might miss out on if you don't listen to this podcast. So some of these restaurants have been mentioned in previous episodes, but most of them are brand new. And I'm sure in future travel guides they will show up again but let's get right into it the first restaurant pasta chef Monti in rome when you think of italy you hear about italian pasta and how it is so different from pasta anywhere else in the world and i think pasta chef Monti is a great example of why it is so different this place had the best pasta of any restaurant that i went to in italy between rome florence and venice You must, must, must go here if you're in Rome. This is a place that is very easy to miss in Rome. It's not anywhere near the really popular tourist attractions in the city, and it's a little bit off the beaten path. So what I would recommend here, I ate here two times in my five days in Rome. I'd go with the bolognese, the fettuccine alfredo, or the lasagna carbonara is one of the most popular pasta dishes in Italy, I would say, but I'm not a huge fan of carbonara. So if you want to go with the most popular, that's probably the one you want to choose. But maybe you're a spaghetti and meatballs fan. OK, and bolognese is the closest thing you're going to get because sorry to break it to y'all, but spaghetti and meatballs is not an Italian dish. That's like the Americanized version of Italian food. So bolognese is the most similar thing you can get if you're a spaghetti and meatballs aficionado, we'll say. Why is pasta chef Monti so good? I said this in the Rome guide. Definitely go check that one out if you're visiting Rome. But what I said was the balance of ingredients was some of the best I've ever experienced. I think with food, a lot of the time balance might be overlooked because people like really interesting flavors or really strong flavors sometimes. When you have tasted something you've never tasted before, that makes a very unique experience. But with the pasta here, it wasn't like there was some new magical flavor I've never had before. It was just perfectly balanced between the sauce, the meat, and the way the pasta was cooked. No one thing overpowered the other. It was just perfectly balanced. And that's what I would say is the brilliance with Italian cooking in general is that it's a little bit simple. There's not crazy flavors like somewhere in Thailand where you get all these different flavor profiles, these rich flavors. Italian food's just really well balanced and cooked to perfection. It's the New England Patriots, will say, of food where it's just... They just do it right. There's nothing fancy about it. Everything's just perfect and everyone does their job. Every ingredient does its job, we'll say. So that's Pasta Chef Monty. The next restaurant that I would recommend, Ting Thai Caravan in Edinburgh. This is a Thai restaurant. I had chicken pad thai with a side of rice. One of the best pad thais I've had in my life, I loved it. It was unique because a lot of the vegetables they used in their pad thai are ones you wouldn't normally see in pad thai anywhere else that you have it. For example, they had carrots in it, which I thought was pretty weird when I initially saw it, but once I started eating it, it was just so perfect. It was a great addition to it. This place is very affordable. It is cash only so keep that in mind if you do go here. I remember learning that was cash only after I already had ordered my food and I was really nervous because I didn't have a lot of cash on me and luckily I had 10 pounds and the meal I think was nine pounds so I barely edged it out and didn't have to go to the bank which was nice. Another Asian restaurant, this is Pan-Asian Food in London. East Street Restaurant is what it is called, and it is a restaurant where you can get all the different Asian cuisines you could ever imagine. They have Japanese food. There is Thai food. They have Indonesian dishes, a little bit of Chinese food as well. There's a little bit of everything for people. They have ramen. There's curries. Really delicious restaurant. Cool interior. I had the katsu curry, which is Chicken, so think of a chicken parmesan, it's like that, but then with curry sauce and rice instead of the pasta and the tomato sauce. For dessert, I had banana fritters, one of the best desserts I had in my travels. It was fried bananas with cinnamon ice cream, which I've never had before, really cool ingredient choice with that and then they give you a side of lime with it so you'd squeeze the lime over the banana fritters and then you get a scoop of that cinnamon ice cream and you eat that with the fritter in one bite i love 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 that dessert it is near oxford street in soho so that is a very very popular tourist destination when you're in london so It was definitely a place within reach, so check that out. Really popular place for Asian food as well. This next place is in a place where you normally wouldn't think you'd find amazing food. I think this might be the hidden gem of Europe, just in terms of the fact that you wouldn't necessarily expect this out of Romania. This restaurant was in Brasov, Romania. It's called Terrar Boutique Duvin and that is T-E-R-R-O-I-R-S and then Boutique and then do and V-I-N. This restaurant has a little bit of everything. Once again, really surprising they had so many different cuisine options from a place like Romania because you wouldn't normally expect that. They had everything from burgers to meat plates. They had Asian fusion dishes. They had some South African style dishes. Burritos, great dessert, great options for wine if that's something you enjoy. I ate at this place three times. By far the best restaurant I ate at in Romania. I had a pulled pork burrito at one point. I think I had a Asian style stir fry as well. I had burgers. I had New York style cheesecake. I had lava cake. Delicious, delicious, delicious restaurant. If you are visiting Brasov, and that is probably a place you will visit if you are planning on visiting Romania, because the glory of Romania is Dracula, obviously, and to visit Dracula's castle it's Bran Castle in Romania to visit the actual historical Dracula where he resided that's nearest to Brasov so from Brasov you would take a train to visit the castle for a day so definitely check out that restaurant if you are going to see Brasov to see Dracula the count next restaurant number five Pan and Salam in Rome this is Another place, if you're in Rome, you're really missing out if you don't go to this restaurant. It is right near the Trevi Fountain, so there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't go to this restaurant. Another small, intimate place. Most of these restaurants so far that I've mentioned have been very small and intimate. Expect wait times for them. Pan and Salam I went to, I think, at 9 p.m., and I was able to get a table by myself. They have paninis and meat and cheese platters at this place. I had a porchetta panini and then a meat platter. Definitely the best platter I've ever had in my life. Blows everything out of the water. I feel like cheese platters and meat platters, that's usually a thing that a lot of restaurants have. And I always think to myself, why do they have it? Because they're really not that good. It's almost like they're just throwing that out there as an option rather than having really high quality cheeses and meats. That's something that is hard to find. And a lot of places I went to, not just in Italy, but... Throughout all the different countries I visited, anytime I'd see meat or cheese platters after I had it at Pan and Salam, I'd always want to get it again, right? Thinking, oh, a meat and cheese platter sounds good. But then I'd be disappointed if I did end up getting it because it did not compare at all to the quality that you could get at Pan and Salam. What's cool about this place is with the platters, they have three different sizes. One is obviously for a single person and they have one that's good for two people and then for a group you get your cheeses you get sides of bread there's olives and a few vegetables you get the spicy fig jam to put on the bread which is to die for and then you get all the different cuts of meats and so i think it's you know prosciutto capicola different things like that once again you must visit this place after you go to pan and salam I mentioned this experience, I think, maybe in the Rome episode. I don't know if I actually did, but I recommend as an experience to have in Rome, I think to visit the Trevi Fountain without anyone being there, that is a very unique experience to have. That's something I really wanted to do when I was in Rome. So one of the nights I went to this restaurant, and then afterwards there's a Venci gelato place right near there as well, the Trevi Fountain. So I ate at Pan & Salaam, then I got my gelato. Absolutely delicious at Venci because you can get melted Nutella in your ice cream cone at the bottom and then the ice cream's at the top. It's a nice little addition that all the other gelato places you'll visit in Italy, none of them do something like that. So that is a cool little thing. So after the ice cream, I went to the Trevi Fountain and just sat there listening to music all night and I waited until every single person was gone. Because I wanted to get a photo of it with no one there. And I think it was 2 in the morning when it ended up being completely empty. I felt kind of weird because what you'll see in Rome, what you'll notice is that there are police and military posted at all of the major attractions in Rome at all times, like 24 hours a day. So I was thinking that was gonna be a thing when it was really late, but come to find at 2am, there's still a cop car to the side and I'm like the only one there. So I was just worried like, oh, are they gonna come up to me and like ask me what I'm doing? That was a little bit sketchy, but other than that, it was a great experience. One other thing though that was unfortunate was it was raining at two in the morning, like raining really heavily, so I was just there in the rain by myself. Kind of sucked with the rain, but what are you gonna do? As you'll learn with traveling, you can't control what happens, so I just took it for what it was, but it was a very unique experience, one you wouldn't normally think to have. Definitely recommend doing something like that if you have the ability to. Number six, restaurant. This one has been mentioned on the Florence Travel Guide. This is the most popular restaurant I've ever seen in my life. The amount of reviews this restaurant has online, mind-blowing. Al Antico Vinayo, A-L-L, apostrophe A-N-T-I-C-O, and then V-I-N-A-I-O. This is a panini place, very simple. Six things on the menu, preset paninis. You can also customize them if you want, don't do that. Get one of the paninis on the menu, the most popular panini menu. Five euros a piece for a panini, great portions. Best panini I've ever had in my life. Like I said, the most popular restaurant I've ever seen. There's three restaurants right next to each other, right? And there are humongous lines at every single restaurant. It was 45 minutes to an hour, I think. When I went, I went two times. And what you'll see when you're walking around Florence, before you're aware of this restaurant, you'll see all these people everywhere walking around with paninis in their hand. Usually they'll have two, which is funny to me that they're, eating that many because normally people don't eat a ton of food but for whatever reason when it comes to the paninis everyone's always got two and you'll just see people sitting around in different areas of the center of Florence eating them or people walking around and I remember thinking like what are these paninis what is the deal with these and then I come to find out about this Al Antico Vinayo place and I must say I'm very excited to have found it The panini I'd recommend, especially if you like hot food, it's called L'Inferno. It's a porchetta panini, delicious, one of the most popular paninis you can get there. I dream about going back to Florence so I could eat this place again. I would imagine when I go back, I'm probably going to eat this the majority of the time that I'm there. Really affordable, also very easy to get full, so if you eat two paninis, you're looking at 10 euros and you'll be full for the day, you're not gonna wanna eat again, so it's a really great option if you're looking to save money. Number seven, if you've listened to my Bangkok episodes, you will know that I wasn't really the biggest fan of Bangkok, especially the food, but this place that I went to in Bangkok at the beginning of my trip, I happened to stumble upon this one. Where I was staying in the beginning of the trip, There weren't many great restaurant options, but this was one of the exceptions. I went here three times, and it's called Devilish Chews Plus Brews. It is a barbecue place, but once again, it's kind of like the place in Brasov where they have all the different types of cuisine. So there's Thai food, there's Mexican food, they have meat pies, they have all these different desserts. I don't recommend getting the Thai food there. Don't know if it's good or not, but this is not the type of place you wanna go to get Thai food. You're gonna wanna go here if you want barbecue. I had a black travel cheeseburger with mushrooms the first time I went here and it is one of the best hamburgers I've ever had in my life. The fries as well, some of the best fries ever. They are potato wedges, but in more of like a crescent moon shape. And why these fries were so good was because They had the perfect amount of crunch on the outside, but once you bit into them, it was so soft in the middle and it was like a great portion of potato to crunch because I think sometimes if fries are too thin, they might have a good crunch to them, but then when you bite into them, there's like not enough potato. That can be the case sometimes with, I don't even know why I'm comparing to this this place to mcdonald's that's not the that's not the best thing to do connor you shouldn't be doing that but there's like a lot of places right where they'll be thin the fries will be thin and you're like when you bite into it there's like nothing there really total opposite with this place amazing 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 food i had a meat pie as well from there those were great the guy that owns the restaurant, I don't remember if he was Australian or English. He had one of those accents was kind of in between. I want to say he's from Australia. So it's this guy from Australia and he owns this restaurant. It's really popular with Australian foreigners for obviously it makes sense with the owner. I saw tons of foreigners in this restaurant. They also make their own barbecue sauces, which I thought was a neat little thing. There was six of them and I tried every single one. I sampled everyone. Every time I go to this restaurant, I take like a huge sample of each one of these barbecue sauces and I liked every single one of them. So I was really impressed with this place. One of those places you're not really expecting to find in somewhere like Bangkok, but I was really pleasantly surprised with this place loved it the service was great the waiters were super nice the guys well the owner came up and talked to me a little bit too so that was cool the dessert delicious the only problem with this place is it is a little bit out of the way of the city center so it's not the easiest to get to but if you are looking for some great barbecue this is the place you're gonna want to go If you're like me, you didn't like the Thai food so much, that's where you should go. The eighth place on my list, this one's in Seoul, Korea, and it is called Gusto Taco. I was trying to decide if this was the best Mexican food I had in Seoul, and I really couldn't come to a conclusion because there's just so much good Mexican food. Being from LA, there is a huge food scene with Korean and Mexican fusion, so I was aware of that before going to Seoul. And surprisingly, that's also a thing in Seoul where there's a lot of Mexican and Korean fusion. I guess that makes sense, right? But that makes for really good Mexican food. The food definitely was top three in Seoul that I had as far as Mexican goes. But the thing that really set this place apart for me was the customer service. Hands down the best service I've ever had in my life at a restaurant. What was so unique about this place was that the man that owned it, he, I think, was a American that moved to Seoul, and he opened up this restaurant. He was very hands-on with the day-to-day operation of the restaurant. I saw him taking Orders at the counter, he'd go around bringing people their food and he was always talking to the different people. What was so nice about this guy was that he literally would talk to every single customer that was there. And it wasn't just like, oh, how's your food or can I get you anything else? He really asked questions and wanted to learn about all the customers he had. He made you feel really welcome and it was just a really good feeling being there. He even gave me his card because he knew that I was just visiting. And so he said if I needed help with anything or had any questions, feel free to call him and he said he'd be a help to me. That was just something that was really nice. And that just made for a really great eating experience. I don't think at restaurants you necessarily are expecting customer service like that, but when you do get it, especially if you're traveling and most of the time you can't really speak to the people at whatever restaurants you're eating at because they don't speak your language. Highly, highly recommend this place if you're visiting Seoul. The ninth place, this is another one in Seoul. This is Thai food. It's called Bangkok Express. And I think this is the best value of any restaurant I've ever been to while traveling because the amount of food you can get for the price was insane. I went to this place four times and by far the largest portions I've ever had. What I loved about this restaurant was with every single dish, you could get additional noodles or rice. I think it ended up coming out to 70 cents for an additional portion of noodles and then like 40 to 50 cents for rice. So as you can imagine, me being the big eater that I am, I went crazy at this restaurant. It was really awkward at times going to eat here because the reactions that I get from the waiter, it was always the same waiter that would take my order each time. And the reactions I'd get for the amount of food I was getting, it was a little bit awkward because he just kept being like, are you sure you want this much food? You think you can eat this all? Are you sure? And then... He just had a smile on his face and would laugh, and he'd keep looking at me, right? It's like he just couldn't believe that I was able to eat that much food. Usually, I'd get chicken pad thai, and i get two extra orders of noodles, and then I would get a beef red curry, and that would come with a side of rice. So that was usually the normal meal I got there. And like I said, everyone was looking at me. That's, that's the... Uh, That's the tough part about being a big eater, right? All these people judging you and looking at how much you eat, but I was only eating once a day, so I had to eat that much. I easily got full. I think for that amount of food, it was 12 US dollars, and I would only need that for the rest of the day. Sometimes it would even carry over to the next day where I wouldn't even be hungry still. So definitely a place to check out if you are on a budget and you like Thai food. One of the better Thai restaurants I had as well traveling, so love that place. This last place will forever have a special place in my heart. It is called Rigoletto in Roppongi Hills in Tokyo. There are different Rigoletto restaurants, so remember this one's in Roppongi Hills. If you end up going to a different Rigoletto and it's not as good as this one, be warned. I told you about it. So funny story with this one. I got to Tokyo on October 4th, and my birthday was on October 5th. My girlfriend is from Tokyo, and so I never told her this, but I remember asking her where she thought we should go for my birthday, and this was one of the restaurants she had recommended, right? And when I looked at the menu and then I was looking at the photos of the food at the restaurant, I didn't think it was that great, and I really was hesitant to going here. I just wanted to go to, like, a really good kind of hidden gem restaurant, one that was out of this world. I thought she'd have some cool places That we could go to right in tokyo because her being from there and knowing all the different places and i was kind of burnt out from being in bangkok and just really wanted something good right because i hadn't really been loving the food scene as i mentioned in bangkok and i was eating a lot of the same thing every single day so i was pumped i was ready to eat something awesome for my birthday i wanted to have a really good meal to celebrate the birthday so i kind of was like telling her Without actually telling her, I was kind of suggesting, oh, maybe let's find somewhere else. And if you can't find somewhere else, then we'll just go to this place. And so she couldn't really find anywhere else that looked like super appealing. And I didn't really know if I wanted to jump right into eating Japanese food or go with something more safe, like an Italian restaurant, which is what this place is. So we ended up going here because she said the food was good and then also they had a view of tokyo tower from the restaurant which was like a cool thing that's where she wanted to get a table to start off getting there was a pain in the butt for me i think i got lost three times and i was late for a reservation so i was just in a bad mood going into the restaurant but as soon as i got in i was blown away The restaurant was humongous. Right when you walk in, there's a giant bar, 360 degrees. And then to the right of that is all open space. And that's where all the tables are. There's booths. And then there's the uh, circular tables in the middle. And then to the right of that, there is the kitchen. It's an open kitchen. So you can see all the food being made by the chefs and seeing the waiters go in and out of the kitchen, which I thought was a cool little touch, separated by glass and then In the back of the restaurant is this long window and that's where you could see the view of Tokyo Tower. The restaurant was high up in a building so you got a nice aerial view of that in the distance. We sat in that area so we got the view and then we got so much food it was to die for even though the pictures weren't good. They definitely didn't do the food justice because the food was amazing. They had many different options of food. This is another one of those places where it's like everything you can get, so many different varieties of dishes, but every single one of them was amazing. Pizzas, tapas, meat platters, pasta, burgers, great dessert. We went here three times, I believe. And what I would recommend, if you go here, you must go here, definitely. My favorite restaurant in Tokyo, hands down. The Smoky Mushroom Burger, which in in Japanese, funny enough, is basically smoky Mushroom Burger, but it's just with a Japanese accent, which I thought was funny. That burger was my favorite burger in all of Tokyo. I ate at a ton of burger places, and that hands down was my favorite, so you can get that there. The pizzas, what I would recommend is the Mexicana or the Quattro Formaggio pizza. Those are delicious as well. Cool little thing with the pizzas there, you can get any two pizzas, and you can get half of each one. So they'll give you one pizza and then half is whatever you want and the other half is whatever, let's say the person you're with, they can get. You can get huge orders of fries. The prices are really good as well for how nice the restaurant actually is. You would think it's more expensive for a place like that. It does have a more fancy feel. It's dimly lit, very nice vibes. There's tons of foreigners as well that work there. And then it's also a very popular place for foreigners. So you won't have any problems with ordering food there. They have English waiters. So that's very nice. Yeah, my girlfriend did a great job with this restaurant. She's a rock star because, like I said, wasn't expecting it to be anything special. And it ended up being my favorite place in Tokyo. So cheers to her. And with that, that is the 10 restaurants I would recommend. I'm going to have to do another one of these episodes, part two, because as I was talking I was just thinking about all the other amazing places I got the opportunity to go to I'm telling you if you have the opportunity to go to one of these places definitely check it out you will not regret it it will be a great little experience that is going to be the end of the episode if you want any more food recommendations please email me conjhancock at gmail.com or you can message me on instagram hancock. if you have any questions about anything Let me know. Please leave a review for the podcast and a rating. That would be wonderful. Hope everyone has a great week. And I will see everyone next week. Thanks for listening, guys.